You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. How are you doing? Okay, sounds great. Let's move on. I should really start doing these things more than once a week, honestly, because there's just so much I want to talk about, and it's hard to squeeze it all in. Um, so I won't, I won't waste any time. Then let's get right to the most important issue of the day. It's something that came up on my Twitter feed last night. After I want to set the the the, uh, the background here a little bit, uh, I was at Starbucks yesterday, and. I'm wait. I'm waiting in line, and there's a line. There's probably about probably about eight people in front of me at the Starbucks, and all of them are ordering, you know, complicated cappuccinos and frappuccinos and whatever chinos, and all I want is just a, a cup of coffee, which takes which takes about what seven eight seconds to. I just order the cup of coffee, they pour it and give it to me. That's all I want, just a cup of coffee. That's all I'm looking for. So I came up with a brilliant idea, and I decided to, to share it on Twitter. Um, uh, because I'm so I'm, I'm waiting in line at Starbucks and complaining about the line the Starbucks line on Twitter which just makes me which just makes me everything that's wrong with the world doesn't it but that's what I did and uh, my brilliant idea is that uh, Starbucks should have an express line kind of um not an espresso line but an express line sort of like a like an easy pass for, for people like a carpool lane sort of idea but, but, but the idea is it's for people who just want coffee so just coffee drinkers, you go in this line, and that's a quick line, one, two, three. And if you want all these pretentious, complicated things, then you wait in this line. And you can wait for six days if you want to. Um, so that was my idea. I, I shared it on Twitter, and, and, and some people were, um, were very receptive to it. But then I was, I was ruthlessly attacked, um, victimized, uh, martyred even, for my, for my opinion and not so much by, by some people, and not so much because I was saying that there should be a, an express line for just plain coffee drinkers, but all these people saying, uh, well, you're an idiot. You shouldn't be drinking Starbucks for regular coffee. You should be going to Dunkin' Donuts for that. Why are you going to Starbucks for coffee in the first place, people said. And I just sat there and probably, I have to say, I've never been more disgusted and confused uh, and outraged, frankly, in my entire life. This idea that Dunkin' Donuts makes better coffee than Starbucks? Dunkin' Donuts, here's what Dunkin' Donuts coffee is. Dunkin' Donuts coffee is um, is seven cups of sugar. This is, this is how they make it. This is a recipe for every cup. In every cup, I don't even know how this is mathematically possible, but they have seven cups of sugar in every cup, plus three cups of water, Plus about, they take about two or three uh, little coffee grounds and they put it in. So it is mildly coffee flavored sugar water is what is what Dunkin' Donuts is. I don't know how they managed to sell any of it. I don't know how any single person could ever walk into a Dunkin' Donuts and say, let me have that swill that you call coffee. If you want water, just buy water. Look, I'm not saying that Starbucks is the best place in the world for coffee. And yeah, I'm, I'm a coffee snob. Uh, so I, I like to go to the mom and pop coffee shops if I can. I like to brew my own coffee. Um, 
you know, I'm the I'm the guy that's got the French press at the house, so I I, I get all that. But but really, I don't know why Starbucks gets such, such a ba- such a bad rap. I can't, you know, I, I don't agree with their politics. I can't speak to the other fancy drinks. But when it comes to a regular cup of coffee, to to, to chain to to these chain places that make regular cups of coffee, it's hard to do better than Starbucks. Really, I mean, they make a pretty good cup of coffee. They really do. It's not the best, but it's pretty good. And I've been to a lot of the mom and pop coffee places. And they're not always better. There, there are plenty of times, I'd say probably half of the time, their coffee tastes like the coffee that you get maybe in the waiting room at Jiffy Loop. So Starbucks, you know, they've got a, they've got a standard across the board and it's pretty good. Okay, so here's, a, here's an interesting situation. And there's an article on The Blaze right now. Uh, Baker refused to make Bible-shaped cakes with God hates gays message. So I want to, let, let's, let's, let's talk about the specifics of this. I'll read from the article a little bit here. A Colorado bakery is being accused of discrimination and investigated after refusing to make Bible-shaped cakes that included anti-gay wording, which, of course, is a somewhat different scenario from what we've seen play out dozens of times in just the last few months or last year or so, where you've got... um, wedding cake shops and bridal shops and uh, wedding photographers and wedding chapels that have tried to refuse to participate in same-sex weddings and um, and and uh, been sued for it and then and then found guilty of uh, discrimination by their state governments so this has happened um, all over the place you have these 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 anti-discrimination ordinances which are really anti-free speech and anti-private um, enterprise ordinances that say you as a private business, you're not allowed to decide to decline service to someone based on your religious or moral beliefs, which is the very definition of an infringement on free speech, is it not? So now we have um, this situation, but flipped on its head. So problems began for the uh, Azucar Bakery in Denver back in March of 2014 when a customer named Bill Jack requested that at least one of his cakes include the words, God hates gays. Shop owner uh, Marjorie Silva also said the man wanted to include an image of two men holding hands, but after she saw the design concepts, she declined to include the anti-gay wording or the image of the men instead offering to make the Bible-shaped cakes without those elements. So she told USA Today, after I read it, I was like, no way, we're not doing this. This is just very discriminatory and hateful. But Jack, who is the founder of a Christian organization known as Worldview, didn't take too kindly to that refusal. He filed a complaint with the Colorado Civil Rights Division, and this has sparked a religious discrimination investigation into the incident. Now, look, I'm going to assume that this guy, Bill Jack, a guy with two first names, which should be illegal in my opinion. Free speech be damned in that case. You can't give your kid two first names. I mean, okay, maybe not illegal, but it's it's indecisive. Pick a name, pick a first name and stick with it. You can't have two, all right? You can't have two when there are people out in the world without even one. How dare you take two first names? There are people that don't even have one first name. Um, but this guy, I'm going to assume that he was trying to prove a point with this cake. Uh, I, this was meant to be a critique of these anti-discrimination ordinances, sort of using it against itself. I'm going to assume that that was the point here. That's the point Bill Jack was trying to make. 
A good point. Because otherwise, why would you want a cake with God hates gays on it? Whose birthday party is that for? Happy birthday, Junior. So happy you're turning seven. Here's your cake. God hates gays. Happy birthday. No, I'm assuming this cake was um, almost a satire of sorts. Let it be said up front that, uh, however, that that if it was a serious cake, I, I don't personally agree with it. I don't agree with it because, first of all, I don't think you should politicize dessert products like this. Uh, second, I, I don't think that we should be making Bible-shaped cakes because I've never looked at a Bible and thought, I want to eat that. There's something strange about it. It's like around Easter time, sometimes you start seeing these um, chocolate crucifixes or, or cross-shaped cakes. It just seems, I don't need to eat these religious symbols. It just seems kind of strange. But also, uh, third thing, God does not, of course, hate gays. God abhors sin, the act of sin. Um, God abhors all of our sins, the act of sin. Because God knows that when we sin, we, we, we rip ourselves further away from him. Uh, we hurt ourselves. And, and that's why he hates it, because he loves us. God does not abhor us as people just because we sin. He loves us, and mercifully and graciously so. Um, anyway, regardless, now the Colorado Civil Rights Division will take a look at this thing, and again, under the assumption that Bill Jack is purposefully taking these ordinances and using them to prove how flawed they are, then I, w- I would encourage anyone who lives in a state with these ordinances to do the same thing. doesn't have to be a cake that says God hates gays, but... Just file a frivolous civil rights complaint six times a day, every day, if you have to. Abuse the law because it's an abusive law inherently. And then maybe, finally, they'll be forced to say, okay, you know what? Business owners, you decide who you serve and how you serve them. We don't have time to deal with this. Because that's the great thing about this story is that... um, Of course, of course, a bakery should have the right to say, we don't want to print a cake that said God, that says God hates gays on it. We, you know, a bakery, of course, should have that right. They should have that right because maybe they don't believe that. Um, Maybe they are gay themselves, or maybe they're a Christian like myself who, who, who believe that uh, God hates sin. Although I, I don't think you put God hates sin on a cake either. Put this on a cake. Unrepentant sinners go to hell. Great, great message for a birthday party. I guess if somebody's getting older, you know, maybe you put that on a, on a cake just to remind them of their own mortality. It's a good gift. Like, hey, by the way, you're getting older now. You, I mean, you could die any moment, so we don't want you to go to hell. Here, here's your birthday. Here's your birthday cake. But, but you know, somebody might want to refuse to put that on a cake because they don't agree with it. Or, or for business reasons. They might say, I don't want... Um, this person to put this on a cake and then have their strange birthday party and everyone says, oh, where did you get that cake from? And he says, oh yeah, Marjorie's Bakery up the street. Yep, they print these things all the time. It's not a good business decision. Just like, just like someone who is a uh, uh, photographer or a baker or a, uh, you know, runs a wedding chapel, um, they might not want to be involved in a gay wedding, which is different from them not wanting to serve gay people. It's very different. You know, a gay person who you know is gay comes in to your bakery and says, hey, I'd love a cupcake. Um, 
it's there's there's a difference between saying, well, I'm not even going to give you a cupcake. I'm not going to serve you because you're gay. There's a difference between that and saying, um, you know, you, you're gay. I will serve you, but I don't want to be involved in this sinful act, which is gay marriage. I don't believe in the act of gay marriage. And I, I don't want to be involved in that act. So you are free to participate in that act. You are free to be how you are. And I, and even though I don't agree with your actions, I will invite you in um, as a friend. I will invite you in as a neighbor. Um, I will love you, but I don't want to participate. So those are two very different things. So that's the great thing here is that you really can't say to the person who refuses to be a part of a gay wedding that, hey, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter if you think it's wrong. It doesn't matter if you find it abhorrent. Uh, you have to be involved. You have to. You can't really say that to them and then uh, turn around to the person who doesn't want to print a, you know, a certain message on a cake for, for a different customer and say, oh yeah, you know what? Do what you feel is right. Do what you feel is moral. Do what you believe in. You can't do that. Especially as a government, you can't do that. You can't get into the business of assessing which views are correct. You can't do that. What happened to separation of church and state that everyone always talks about? You can't get into the business of assessing which moral opinions are correct. As a government, you can't do that. You can't say, well, this view is wrong and this view is right, so you can, you're allowed to have this view and act on it, but not this one. The government can't do that. And you know the government can't do that. And I don't care how liberal or progressive you are or how much you just hate Christians who would even think about declining to be a part of a gay wedding. I don't care how you feel about that. You know, you know you can't put the government, you can't put that sort of power with the government. If you have any brain in your head, you know it. And you also know that if you do this, if you entrust this power unto them, and you say, okay, government, um, you, you can assess which views are correct and which aren't, and uh, then punish people accordingly or compel them to act a certain way accordingly. Uh, you know that if you do that, yeah, it's working in your favor right now because the government, because you know uh, your state government and the federal government uh, largely run by progressives, but what happens when they're not anymore? You're not going to like it then, are you? So I, I tell you what, it, this is just the easiest thing. This, let's just go back to good old-fashioned private enterprise and free speech. The term free speech is, is just vastly overused and abused these days where everything becomes a free speech issue. Everything is, uh, oh, you're infringing on my free speech. You know, Somebody says something and you criticize them for it and, and they respond, well, I'm allowed to say this. Yeah, I never said you weren't allowed to say it, but I'm criticizing the fact that you did say it. You know, we, we, we really struggle with the concept of free speech now. Somebody criticizes speech and, uh, and we automatically equate that with infringing on free speech. So we don't understand what free speech is or, or what the First Amendment is. But here it is right here. Free speech, having free speech means that the government cannot control your speech or penalize your speech. That's what free speech means. And here, in the case of these anti-discrimination ordinances, and the fact that they're doing it to oppose discrimination means nothing. It means nothing. That doesn't excuse it. Because going back, do you think our founding fathers, when they wrote the First Amendment, do you think they weren't, they didn't realize 
that governments always come up with some supposed good reason to infringe on free speech. Do you think they didn't realize that? Do you think our government in the year 2015 is the first government to try to claim that they're infringing on free speech for the common good? Do you think, are they the first to do it? No, every single government that has ever infringed on free speech has always claimed that they were doing it for the sake of the common good uh, or whatever. But you can't entrust that kind of power in them. So let's go back to the easy thing. And we'll say, okay, you're a business owner, you bake cakes, you take photographs, uh, you make t-shirts, you do whatever you do, and you can decide who you serve and how you serve them. That's the, that's the, that, that is because this is your product, um, this is your labor, this is something, this is a company that wouldn't exist without you, it is a thing that would not exist without you. Marjorie's Bakery... Uh, Marjorie's Bakery would not exist without Marjorie. It wouldn't exist. It's hers. She owns it. If not for her, it wouldn't exist. So she can decide what it does and how it behaves. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, if somebody walks into her, into, her, into her building that all of the rules of civilized society and moral behavior go out the window and you walk into her building and, uh, I don't know, she can shoot you in the head or, or tie you to a chair and and cut your fingers off. No, it, it just means that she can decide who she serves, what she serves, assuming the product itself isn't, you know, illegal already, and uh, and for what reason she serves them. And so let's just go back to that. And you know what? If you let people do that, God forbid, God forbid you let people have their own, you, you, let, you let private enterprise back into America and you let free speech back into America. Do you know what will happen in most cases? Nothing. In most cases... Things will continue on as normal because most business owners, if you try to give them your money, they'll take it. That's 98%, if not more, of all business owners. They'll take your money if you give it to them. They don't care. You've got that very small percentage of, of business owners who will sacrifice money for the sake of, of, of what they think is right. For the sake of, for the sake of uh, their morals or their religious beliefs, they'll sacrifice money. That's a, that's a small minority of business owners. And um, so you, you let them, you know, that's actually a, a, a good thing. Whether you believe in the message or not, it's a good thing. It's, it actually takes guts. It takes courage. It takes conviction. It takes, it takes um, a passion for someone to say, I'm not going to take your money because, uh, and I'm going to sacrifice business and I'm going to possibly tick off some of my other clients uh, because of what I believe. That's a good thing. Even if you don't agree with the message, it's actually a good thing. It takes, it takes guts. So you let you let that small percentage of business owners do that, and um, and then and then if the market wants to punish them, it can. And certainly you, as an individual customer, you can punish them. You can decide not to go. And if a business owner says, uh, "Hey, we don't want to serve gay weddings," and that upsets you so much, and you don't understand why that's the case, then yeah, you can choose not to go, and you can tell all your friends, "Hey, don't go there because they don't serve gay weddings." And then everyone can make their own choices, and we all have freedom, we have liberty, we make our own decisions, and we all carry on, and we don't need the government overseeing this, we don't need them involved, and we can take whatever money we, we right now allocate towards, towards sifting through these whining little complaints and put it towards something more useful. How does that sound? How does that sound? Does that sound like a plan? Okay, good. Okay, uh, while we're in this realm, there's something else that bears mentioning. It's a piece that showed up in New York Magazine, uh, a few days ago, it's about, well, um, well here, I'll, uh, I'll read the Fox News report on it. 
A teenager has revealed in an interview that she plans to marry her father and have children after dating for two years. The unnamed 18-year-old revealed in an interview with New York Magazine her romantic relationship of almost two years with her biological father after being estranged from him for 12 years. Um, And I read part of this interview. I don't know why I read it. I wish I hadn't. But she tells how she, uh, her, her father uh, left when she was five or six. And uh, recently she got back in touch with them and they quickly sparked up a sexual relationship. Now, um, this could very easily be fake. This story, I mean, the girl being interviewed in the piece, she's, she's not, you know, she's anonymous. She's not identified by her real name. Um, although she seems to indicate that soon they'll go public. So maybe we'll find out if it was real or not. But this could easily be fake, very easily. Um, but, it, but it could easily be real. And whether it is or isn't, there are still things to be gleaned from it. You see, I, I, I always try to look at uh, the big picture. I, I take the one story, the one incident, whatever it is, and I look at how it's received in the culture how it will affect the culture. Uh, I try to look at the underlying issues, the philosophies and principles at work. Some people don't understand that. They don't don't understand that I operate that way. They they don't understand when anyone operates that way. They get hung up on the specifics. A very good example of this, and I don't don't want to get into this because I already wrote about it, but good examples. I wrote wrote something this week um, that's really about modesty, but the, the jumping off point was a blog post that a woman, uh, another blogger, Christian Christian blogger, uh, wrote, I think last week, about leggings. And leggings are those, you know, the spandex underwear pants that, uh, well, they're not really pants, it's spandex underwear um, that you see girls, some, some, some women wear out in public now like the regular pants. Um, and so this, this woman wrote a, a blog post about how, you know, she, she had, she'd been doing that and wearing the leggings out in public. And she realized that it's not modest and she had a conversation with her husband. She felt like, you know, wear, dressing this way was, was disrespectful to him and not modest. And so she decided she's not going to wear it anymore. And she decided to, to share that um, on her own personal blog. Um, and, uh, and she was, it, it soon went viral and she was mocked and ridiculed for it uh, by even some supposed conservative outlets decided to, you know, jump on the, you know, it's the year 2015. <laughs> You're talking about modesty. It's the year 2015. <laughs> Chuckle. You know, that whole thing. And so I saw this unfold and I decided to write something about it. Now, what I was writing about, I don't care about talking about the specifics of leggings. That, that's not what this is about. That's just the, that's the entry point for the overall topic, which is modesty. And the overall topic isn't even modesty. It's the fact that these people who criticized this woman and later criticized me, they weren't so much defending leggings and yoga pants as modest. They were instead insisting that modesty itself is outdated, prudish, and irrelevant. So they weren't defending leggings. They were, they were, uh, they were uh, attacking modesty itself. And the defenses that they were launching for wearing leggings in public acted not as specific defenses of leggings, but, but just overall... Uh, you know, a, 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 an overall principle of modesty doesn't matter. And so I decided to write about that, that we have become a society that has 
ruled out, you know, we, modesty is a virtue. Okay, it's, a, it's, it's one of the principal cardinal virtues. We're taking a virtue and saying this one doesn't matter. It, it's sort of like what we've done with, with the vice of lust. We've, we've, um, it's not that we, we've gone beyond defending lustful activities and claiming the lustful activities aren't lustful. And we've branched now into saying, well, lust itself is fine. It's not a vice. Or we go even a step further and we say, maybe it is a vice, but there's nothing wrong with vices. You see that? So what I tried to do is I tried to, I tried to using this little story about leggings as the, as the, the, the platform to jump into this. I tried to talk about, well, how have we become a society that doesn't care about modesty? And why is modesty important? But a lot of people, they, they, um, they couldn't understand that. You know, they're very small-minded. So instead, they got all hung up on the specifics. And they said, why are, you ta- why are we having this discussion about leggings? Why are we talking about spandex? They're just pants, you know? And it's really easy to do that. When someone uses a specific story to talk about a universal issue, it's really easy to go back to the specific story and say, well, this story doesn't matter. Why are we talking about it? Well, we're not really talking about it. We're talking about the universal issue attached to it. Nincom poops. Yes, nincom poops. I really believe that's a that's a word that should come back in style. Nincom poops. These just nincom poops. Love that word. Just everything. Nincom poops. Anyway, where were we? Okay, so here with this uh, with this you know incest story, I look at uh, whether it's real or not. Um, you see it as a sign of things to come. You know because really, why shouldn't this be legal for her to marry her dad? Why shouldn't it be accepted? Once we have, uh, there's no question that there is a slippery slope. And the slippery slope doesn't start with homosexuality per se. The slippery slope starts with uh, ruling out the concept of sexual morality. Because again, um, when a Christian says, what few Christians are left that will say this, but when a Christian says, that homosexual activity is sexually immoral. What you hear, what you what you hear back, is not so much, well, no, you're misapplying the concept of sexual immorality. What you hear back is, who are you to even talk about sexual morality? There's no, there's no such thing. We don't have to attach morality to, to morality to sex. It's just sex. It's just a recreational activity. It's just people expressing themselves. It feels good. It's fine. What's the big deal? Do you see that? You see that's what we've done. So we have ruled out sexual morality. We're not arguing about how to apply it anymore. That's what, that's what humanity did for a long time. We're not doing that anymore. Now we're just saying it doesn't exist. It doesn't matter. And so once you do that, once you do that, there's no question. There's no doubt that it's a slippery slope. It's not even a slope as a matter of fact. It's just a, it's just a, it's a cliff. It's just a, it's just a straight free fall plunge that ends. Well, I don't know where it ends, but it's no, there's no slope here. It's just a plunge. Once you remove this, once you remove the ground from underneath us, uh, then you just start falling. And when we've said, hey, it's sex, it's recreational activity, people are expressing themselves, it feels good, blah, blah, blah. Well then, all right, why shouldn't this woman have sex with her, with her father? Yeah, it's disgusting, it's revolting, but that's just your opinion, right? That's just your opinion. They're not hurting anyone. That's another defense you hear all the time of, uh, of uh, you know, gay marriage. Well, it's not hurting anyone. You see, when... When you're arguing for something and all of your arguments 
are so have to be so general and so non-specific that they can also be applied to things like incest and bestiality. When you do that, it shows you that your arguments are problematic, and it creates this slippery slope or free fall free fall scenario. So why shouldn't they? I guess taking the modern philosophy on these things, why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they do this? Why shouldn't it be legal? Yeah, her father is if 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 her father is real and if she's real and if this is real then uh, her father is a, I mean, to call him a creep would be a massive understatement. He should be in jail. He should be in jail. He should be in jail for um, having sex with his daughter. I don't care how old she is. He should be in jail for the rest of his life. He's a pervert. He's a predator. He is a he is a dirtbag is what he is. Um, and I don't care how old she is or consensual. None of that matters. None of it matters. But, but when the only rule we attach to the sexual act is consensual is is consensual you know when that's the only thing left when that's the only rule left when that's the only barrier the only fence is hey it has to be consensual when you do that well you allow all of these other things in don't you see that there's no doubt that you do you allow all of these other things in when consensual is the only rule you attach to it and then after a while when consensual is the only rule uh, even consensual goes away after a while. All right, before we wrap this up, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about, and I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, it, it's a, it, there's a, the conservative movement has a lot of problems. And this is one of the one problem that I think we really need to get a grip on. So do you know who Holly Fisher is? Holly Hobby Lobby. You remember her? So Holly Fisher was the uh, the 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 girl, the woman, uh, West Virginia, the wife of a of a of a veteran, who back around the time when the Hobby Lobby thing was going on, she um, took a picture of herself. I think she was she was wearing a pro life T shirt, holding a Chick fil A cup, standing in front of a Hobby Lobby, and she posted this picture and said, "Oh, this is going to make liberals' heads explode." And she posted it on Twitter, and it went viral. And, um, and then I think she, she had took one other picture of her holding a gun and a Bible in front of American flag. And so the, the, those two pictures, she put them on Twitter and they went viral and she became because of these pictures, they're just pictures. They're not even particularly clever or, or anything like that. They're just, they're pictures. Like I get it. Yeah. She's why she has a Chick-fil-A cup and she's standing in front of a, of a hobby lobby. Yeah. I mean, okay, fine. I, I get it, but they're not, they're just pictures, but overnight, um, she became famous in the conservative movement for these pictures. And she became this, this mini conservative celebrity. And, and, and over time, you know, she's, she's being invited out to speak and she's one of the, uh, one of the voices of the movement. And she becomes this, she becomes this figure that conservatives look to and, you know, liberals attack her and conservatives defend her. And she's this, this, this figure, this person, this, this significant thought leader in the conservative movement because she took a couple of pictures. And so I, I've been watching this go on. You know, I, I, I will, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, about Holly uh, Hobby Lobby at all um, until, but apparently she's active in the Tea Party movement and I guess invited out to these events for whatever reason. And... Apparently, a few days ago, um, a guy by the name of uh, of 
what's this guy's name? Charles Johnson, Chuck Johnson, Charles Johnson with gotnews.com. He did an expose about, and he's supposedly a conservative guy himself. Um, and he, he did an expose on Holly Hobby Lobby where he revealed that she apparently a few months ago had an affair with a, uh, she was at a, a tea party event and she had an affair with another, with a, with the former communications director for the tea party. Um, you know, I don't know how Charles Johnson found this out and I don't understand why he felt the need to make it public, but he confronted her on it. She denied it. Eventually she admitted on Facebook and she talked about how her, you know, she was thrust into the political spotlight and, and, and she achieved this kind of uh, conservative fame and, and it, it, it was confusing for her and she was scared and overwhelmed and it led to a, a fateful encounter with another Tea Party member where she, where she had an affair. Um, now, again, I'm not talking about the specifics of this case because, okay, she's a woman. She had an affair with another guy. That's her business. Um, you know, I, I feel bad for her husband. I feel bad for her even. And I hope she works it out. And I, and I hope that, and I hope that uh, you know, she can heal her marriage. And uh, God bless him. I, I, I wish for nothing but the, for the best for all of them. And the guy, you know, the other guy who, who, who had a relationship with a woman that he knew was married, you know, I pray that he asks for forgiveness um, and that, that he learns to be a real man who doesn't go around, you know, having sex with married women. So I, I pray for all of that. I really do. And, uh, and I wish everyone the best involved. And it's really, it's really not an issue that should be, you know, making the news, but it did. And I, I came across it somewhere. I think I saw it on Twitter. I'm not looking to pile on Holly Fisher at all. Uh, I feel bad for her. I really do. But I think it shows it shows us something about the conservative movement. And, you know, she talks about how her political fame contributed to this and made her feel lost. And, and uh, maybe that's an excuse to a certain extent, but, but, I, but I think there's some reality behind it where you take just this normal person who, who took a picture and the conservative movement comes in behind her and, 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 and turns her into this, to this, you know, uh, mascot. And she doesn't really know what to do with all of that. And it's not like she earned this fame because uh, she had great ideas and, uh, and, you know, she actually was a thought leader. She just had a few gimmicky photos. So she never should have been put in this position in the first place. But she's there and she doesn't know what to do because she has nothing really to say. She never had much to say. She had a couple of photos. So I think we see here the dark underbelly. We see the... the the repercussions, um, the horrible repercussions of what happens when the conservative movement gets caught up in this cult of personality thing. And it, this happens all the time where we take these people who have no business being put in, they, they shouldn't be invited to speak at tea party rallies. I mean, what is that? Why? Because of a few pictures? Because she's a young woman who, 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 who held a gun and stood in front of American flag. Really? That's what the conservative movement is now? You see, the, as conservatives, we have to be people of thought. We have to be people of ideas. Where we hoist people up on platforms because they have great ideas and they're so good at articulating those ideas. Not because they have a gimmick. And we get caught up. I mean... Holly Fisher, God bless her, but she's not, she should not be a leader of, of any conservatives. She has nothing really to offer. 
I just think that as conservatives, we need to reflect on this. We need to reflect on it. And we need to say to ourselves, you know, before we take someone and we put them up on stage, we have to say to ourselves, um, what does this person have to say? Do they actually have anything to say? Do they have ideas? Do they have thoughts? Do they have what it takes to be leaders, to be thrust into the spotlight? Can they, can they speak or communicate in a way that, that changes minds and changes hearts and wins victories for our ideas? Can they do that? Or is this person just a gimmick? Are we enamored with this person because this person is a female who held a gun once in a picture and we say, oh, that's so cool. Because that's what conservatives do a lot of times. And we need to stop it. We really do. We have to think about who we put in positions of leadership in this movement. So when I see the story about Holly Fisher, who was destroyed by her political fame, I just think, why in God's name did she have any to begin with? And that's not an attack on her. I feel bad for her. It's not an attack. It just means that why... Not very few people um, are equipped to lead movements and to be up on that stage. She wasn't one of them. And that's not an insult. It's just the way it is. So we need to step back and reflect on this. That's all I'm going to say. Just reflect on it. Think about the conservatives who... uh, you turn to for information, for ideas, for their thoughts, and think about whether they're actually contributing any insights at all and whether they deserve to be in the position that they're in or whether they are just a gimmick. And if they are, then let them be, leave them behind, let them go back to a normal life, a fine life, but not a life where they are famous in the conservative political movement, right? And that's it for me. I'm going to uh, uh, leave it there, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Akruche Salus. Godspeed.